Welcome to the We Are SE podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined today by Daryl Rideau. Uh, and Daryl, we got a chance on Thursday to listen to a bunch of the assistant coaches after day two of spring ball. Day one was a few players and head coach Clay Helton. Day two, they let the assistant coaches come. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a new cast. I mean, there, there are some familiar names. Clancy Pendergast, probably the biggest name in terms of coming back as the defensive coordinator. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Graham Harrell so far. We had a chance to sit down with him before spring ball started, but he again was was a big draw. And I'm going to start uh, with Graham Harrell. A, a few of the things that he said. He talked about the first couple days uh, on offense, the pace and the tempo being pretty good. He liked the the amount of reps that they're getting. And something he said, and something a lot of the coaches echoed, was they like the adjustments from day one to day two that after day one, they were able to look at film and then there were fewer mistakes of the things that they really corrected on film going into day two. And Daryl quickly, I want to bring you in on that point. When you're looking at film, we've heard so much about, you know, when, when Clay Elton talks about, we'll look at film. Can you take us through a little bit of film study, what that, looks like and and when a coach says hey you need to do this how easy is that to just go out the next day and start doing that because if if you were obviously doing it the first time that's sort of a routine that you've built up so how do you how do you take film session and, and especially from just day one of spring ball and really start applying it as you go well, the unique advantage that a Graham Harrell would have coming into USC, where you have so many skilled players at, in multiple positions, not only are they skilled players, but these are players that have been in this program for a number of years. So they have a tremendous amount of on-field hours kind of accumulated, which kind of makes them a professional uh, at the collegiate level. So being able to transfer information from practice, meetings, on the field, in the meeting room and make those adjustments. What he's really saying is when they go out and they're evaluating film in in the meeting rooms and they make a subtle adjustment, the ability for uh, an Amon Ross St. Brown, a Michael Pittman Jr. of a Vi Malapii, or, you know, um, JT Daniels with with the experience that he's gained, being able to take those little nuggets and immediately make those uh, adjustments. When we're, as a former player, when I was in the meeting rooms under Pete Carroll, in those meeting rooms, oftentimes we would run base coverages against complex schemes and strategies. And because these were mental reps, uh, oftentimes my position coach was ironically Greg Burns. Greg in the meeting rooms would say, okay, we're running cover three, we used to call it Boston. Uh, we're running cover three here, but when we get out onto the field, we want to show a few other looks. And those few other looks and disguises, we may not have rehearsed, but because they're in the playbook, now we're going to rehearse them on the field to see how um, how these adjustments would pair up against perhaps an offensive formation that gave us problems against our base coverage. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about subtle adjustments if a defense shows the offense a certain look, which is perhaps has taken away their, their first option, what is an inverted route off of that option? If you were intending to run an out route, now you're going to cut that off and run a slant route. They may add or implement, Eric, an adjustment or a certain word that would indicate to the receivers to cut that route off. 
that's what he's talking about, transferring that information. And he was pretty pleased with the way that the, um, the offensive players were able to retain that information, learn in the meeting room, maybe once or twice, but be able to actually demonstrate it on the field. That is a mark of, a, of players willing to be coached and coaches that are giving clear direction. So, so far, you got to be pleased with that type of uh, response if you're a Graham Harrell. And another thing I wanted to check with you on, just as, as a former player, you, we, we hear Graham Harrell, and again, we haven't heard him a ton, but what we have heard a ton from him when he's spoken is doing the small things right, repetition, repetition, doing it over and over and over and over. He does not ask his players, and I'm talking about quarterbacks specifically and the entire offensive roster, he does not ask them to do a lot of different things. But the things he asks them to do – he has them do it over and over and over. As a player, is that something that is is difficult to do? Would you rather go on the field and, and try a bunch of things? Or is this something where it's like, okay, I know what I need to do, and this makes it easier, where I just have to do the same thing over and over? These And obviously, you're not just doing one thing. There's still, right. as a wide receiver in this offense, you're not running one route over and over and over. But it, it is... It, it feels like it's sort of a smaller list of things that you need mm-hmm. to do. What, what's that like, um, hearing that from a coach and, and then trying to take that onto the field? Is, is that sort of a, a breath of fresh air, or is that like, hey, this is going to get boring and it's a challenge to really do that? Okay, there, there's two terms that, that um, when I was growing up, we used to, I used to watch the old folks around the house um, play dominoes. And when they're playing dominoes, if you've ever played dominoes and you're there with people who have a tremendous amount of experience of counting the, the dominoes and laying them down, they used to always say when a young person came in or someone new to the game came in and they were overstudying, overanalyzing, they used to say study long, study wrong, or um, analysis, uh, paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you can be in your own head, in your own feelings, and your confidence will waver when you try to run a route or you, you try to execute the game plan and your mind and your body aren't in sync with one another. So what Graham Harold is simply saying is something that Pete Carroll used to always say. Pete Carroll used to say that it takes 26 days for something to become habit forming. So if you're constantly doing the same type of repetition over and over and over again, it becomes a part of your muscle memory. And that's where Graham Harrell is trying to, uh, the offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell is trying to get the players offensively to buy into that if you, that with the repetition, if you're constantly doing over and over again to the point where it becomes a part of your muscle memory, your timing, you know exactly where you need to be at your landmarks, where you're at on the field, where you're breaking off your routes, that helps the timing and the efficiency of the offense. But more importantly, now you're no longer in your own head thinking about the play that you have to run or the route that you're trying to run and, and what depth you're trying to hit. Now you're starting to look at what is the defense doing when I line up in this formation? You're able to see more. By doing less, you see more. And if, if that is what he's preaching, that's, that's a breath of fresh air because that tells me that when they're trying, when they're attempting to simplify what they're really trying to do is calm the brain down so that the brain doesn't have to analyze and think about too much. But now we can see your ability um, um, show improvisation within 
this, the, the complexity of the play or the scheme itself. Yeah, I mean, so far, I think Graham Harrell has just hit home run after home run. I mean, his demeanor, the way he speaks to the team and to the media, and I think just sort of the confidence he has in, hey, this this is what it is. Like, it's not going to be any different than this. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do really well. And look, uh, come come game five, game six this fall, if things don't go well, none of this stuff is going to matter, and we get that. But right now, all we have to yeah. go on is sort of the, the plan that's being put in place. And I, and I say plan purposely because it does feel like there is an absolute plan. And Graham Harrell talks about the philosophy a lot. It's not really a scheme. It's not really the air raid. It's just yeah. a philosophy. And that seems like it's being put mm-hmm. in and that guys are really buying in. And I, obviously after last year, the offense needed something. And this seems like so far things are falling into right. place where wide receivers are, are getting into it and you're seeing uh, again just two days no pads but got you know it, it feels like the offense there's something there that guys know what's going to be expected of them and, and what to do moving forward and one of the questions that came up a lot I know when we talked about okay here comes the air raid what does that mean the offensive line kind of took took center stage of mm-hmm. it does this help the offensive line how do they fit into this and we got to talk to tim tim drevno the offensive line coach uh after practice on thursday and, and he uh, <laughs> graham harrell had sort of a funny story about sort of the back and forth with tim drevno just kind of saying what do you mean we only have four running plays what am i supposed to do and <laughs> I, I graham harrell's response was perfect that that yes, that's all you have to do. Get great at it, and that that's been his message. Oh my goodness. He doesn't want every. He doesn't want people to be pretty good at a lot of things. You need to be great at the things that you're asked to that's do. The that you're in asked offense, to do. and I think that really fits. I mean, I I think Tim Drevno is a very good offensive line coach. He could do anything that's asked of him. Sure. But when you're specifically asking a guy like that, just teach technique, break things down and get these guys great at <laughs> technique and these sorts of things. And I think he can do that. And I think he, uh, again, talking to him, I think he's embracing that. And he really likes the idea of getting these guys great yeah. at a few things. And Eric, him, <laughs> Eric I'm, I'm laughing from ear yeah. to ear. I'm yeah. laughing. I mean, I'm smiling from ear to ear. And here's why. If you're a Tim Drevno for the bulk of your career, whether, you know, and however long it has spanned up until now, you've, you're so accustomed to receiving a playbook the size of a phone book or an almanac, right? An unabridged yeah. almanac. And now all of a sudden you're getting a one sheet executive summary that says just memorize or, or, or um, become, become exceptional at these things. It's like, what? <laughs> and, and what I love about it is what I'm hearing you say, and, and I was just um, in awe of your reaction and response to Graham Harrell yesterday after his, his um, post-practice remarks, is this dude is cut from a different cloth. He knows who he is, and he is very comfortable in his skin, and it's not a pompous or an arrogance, but it's refreshing to have someone from the outside finally in this program to infuse some new life. And it, and it must be energizing to Clay Helton and some of the carryover staff 
to have new ideas coming in that aren't so complex that you're kind of stacking Legos on top of Legos and building blocks, right? What you're doing is you're, you're saying, no, let's get back down to the brass tacks, the bare root, the stems, and, and let's make sure our foundation is solid because we got creators on this team that are, that are going to create great opportunities um, at the skilled positions. But what good is having all of that if the, if the scheme is so complex that you're forgetting what it is that you're intending to doing to the point where you lose your identity um, behind a playbook that is twice the size as what it should be. So the, the other thing that that sort of leads into, and again, want to pick your brain as a defensive player, what, when you hear, okay, we only have four run plays. This is going to be simplified. Everything's going to be simple. I only want you to do a little bit. When you think about opposing defenses that USC is going to go against, how does that sort of change them? I mean, if if you're a defensive player going against an offense that's saying that, it seems like the idea would be in your head, okay, I have fewer things to do now too. I can key on this. This is easier to defend. But what does, I guess, what does this offense do to still make it a very challenging offense to defend, again, when you're only doing a few things from an opposing defender's uh, point of view? The best way that I can describe it is this. Uh, for years, USC ha- has been regarded and revered as tailback U. And in tailback U, USC has always been known, uh, up until the more recent years, I say within sure. the last 10 years, has been known for having a fullback. So I formation, power I sets and formations. And out of that, the USC signature play was student body left, student body right. But what if I told you that, um, you know, and, and as a defender, if I knew USC was lining up in power I and they're running student body left, student body right, uh, as a defense, we can adjust and roll coverages to stop that. But if you're in multiple sets using different personnel from 10 personnel, which is um, one tight end, four wide receivers, or you're in 13 personnel, one tight end, three receivers in the back, there's multiple different sets that you can, you can find yourself in in your window dressing. You're lining up, you're showing these different sets that are causing us as a defense to now react, but then you're, you end up running the same place. It's very confusing and frustrating to a defender if we have to con- constantly make adjustments, fan out our defense so that we're no longer six, seven, eight, nine guys in the box. Now we're spread out and you're still able to penetrate the same hole. Three plays, you run the exact same play, but out of different sets is more demoralizing to a defense and frustrating than you lining up in the same set where now we know exactly what it is that you're going to hit us with. So when he talks about simplifying to four plays, he's talking about four concept, conceptual plays that they're going to run. For, for an offense, that frees up their mind to know exactly where they need to be and how they need to hit it. But how they get into that, those four plays, that is the mystery. And that's what's going to keep defenses up. Because when I think about the Los Angeles Rams in the National Football League, they don't run a lot of plays, but they run those plays exceptionally well and they find themselves in bunch sets they spread you out they fan you out and then they bring you in like an accordion and they hit you downhill with the same plays and most teams cannot stop that because the rams are most efficient at doing what they do well but it's because they line up in different formations motions and things like that that forces the defense now to have to move and overanalyze what they thought they saw i think it's brilliant 
I really expected Graham Harrell to come in and tell us that he has a whole new set of plays, a whole new offense, and that it was going to take, you know, it was like a master's course. But now I hear really it's like, you know, it's like a remedial course uh, to just polish up your skills. Man, I mean, as a player, you love that because now you can play free and fast. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't get credit for wins and losses over the first two days of spring ball. None of this counts yet uh, in terms of the fall record and, and really changing things from last year. But, I, you know, you, you've got to say so far so good in terms of this thing moving uh, in the right way. But let, that's enough offense for right now. I'm going to get to your bread and butter. We're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And I know when Greg Burns was hired as the defensive backs coach that, that you got fired up. Um, and we had a chance to talk to him on Thursday, you specifically. And I'm just curious, your thoughts on, on what he, what his plan is, what he's done so far, because the defensive back group, I mean, when you look at it, the numbers are just not there this spring. So there's going to be some mixing and matching. There's going to need to be uh, coaching guys up, guys that are, are, here as true freshman early enrollees and then guys that are getting here over the summer some of those guys are going to need to play right, right away so i'm curious right. how he fits what he's doing and can guys get ready quickly uh, under his tutelage oh, oh okay so when greg burns was finally announced as the defensive back coach i thought that that ideally was the best move for this program a person who previously coached had a stint under Pete Carroll, so understood the glory days of USC, but also had uh, the opportunity of coaching me at a time where I was very similar to a Greg Johnson, a guy who had lost his confidence, was really unsure of, of, of my own ability as it coming out of my junior year, contemplated transferring, although you know uh, I, I never went through with that process. Very similar to a Greg Johnson who entered his name into the transfer portal, but is perhaps having second thoughts. He will benefit guys like him, guys like um, um, Isaac uh, Stewart-Taylor will benefit from the teaching of a Greg Burns because he clearly articulates what your expectations are in every formation, every coverage. He helps you identify where the weaknesses are and the things that you're supposed to take away and what techniques will effectively help you um, uh, obtain the objectives that the defense is looking for. Because of his ability to teach that and then go on the field and show you, it's tremendous. In the past, Sometimes what you'll do is you'll run across a coach who didn't coach the position so, or didn't play the position but knows how to coach the position. So it's really good on the X's and O's, but from a fundamental standpoint, can't, can't articulate or can't go out and teach you. Greg Burns played at Washington State. He played in a system where he can teach you how to play off-man press coverage and, and then get on the board and then uh, on the chalkboard or a dry eraser board and draw it up. What I loved about his message was, and I asked that very same question, Eric. I said, you know, you're faced with the challenges of, of teaching guys with a lot of on-the-field uh, on experience, although they're young, but they're all injured. So what's the difference between the energy that you're seeing from them in the meeting rooms versus the lack of uh, participation on the field? How are you coping with the lack of bodies? 
Well, first he raved about his room and their ability to understand uh, concepts and kind of articulate that and challenge uh, and come back with challenging questions. He, he praised guys like um, Hufanga, Talanoa Hufanga and um, Elijah Griffin. But then he also talked about, hey, look, I coach who's available, whether you're a starter for, uh, returning from last year or you're a walk on. Everyone plays a role and you never know when your number is going to be called. So I coach everyone up. And as illustrated yesterday in practice, they had a couple of uh, walk-ons who had only been in the program for a couple of days that made significant contributions in practice. So with that being said, the energy that you get from Greg Burns is galvanizing, not only for him, but for the other coaches. Because Clay Hilton talked about bringing in teachers. He couldn't have found a better one to articulate that message than he did in Greg Burns in the meeting rooms, in the secondary. And what I expect to see is guys that are technically sound and efficient at what they do. I, I definitely expect the interceptions to go way up because guys are in position to make plays and they're seeing the field the right way. So this, that hire was, for me, was a tremendous hire. Although there were other names mentioned, Eric, the person that they brought in is someone who understands the fabric of SC football, not only, you know, from a resurgence standpoint, but also from the, um, the highs of where the program was and an understanding of what it takes to get back to that level. And you mentioned uh, technique and, and fundamentals. And that was, those again were buzzwords. The, the buzzwords this spring, I think, simplify technique, fundament, fundamentals, things like that, where you're going back. And these, the, the coaches are all doing a good job not to say, you know, hey, this, this was a train wreck last year. We've got to fix all this stuff. But they have come in and uh, defensive line coach uh, Chad Kauha'aha'a uh, he was speaking about the defensive linemen, and he says, look, first glance, this group reminds me of a group he had at Utah with a guy like Star Lotulale and, and the Kruger brothers. Uh, these, these are NFL guys that he's had at Utah. Um, and he said, this group reminds me of that. Now, he wasn't going to go say these are all definite NFL guys, but it, it brings back memories of that. And, and what he said he's doing right now they're breaking everything back down. He said they're going all the way back to fixing your stance, fixing your get yep. all, all yep. of those things. And he really wants to build them from the ground up. One of the things he said uh, had to change from last year was that the, the defensive line needs to be more gap sound. And so that there are a lot of things where they're going back all the way to the beginning and teaching guys from the ground up. He, uh, again, they've only had two days. And right. he specifically said, we haven't even played football yet. <laughs> the defensive right. line doesn't play football until pads come on. But, but, um, but, you, but, but Eric, you mentioned that. And that's the same thing that Greg was uh, <clears throat> echoed in, in terms of going way back to how you lace up your shoes, your alignment, your stance, the balance of where the, uh, you know, your weight is distributed from the ball of your feet. And to, to hear that that sentiment is being echoed across not only the defense, but it sounds like on the offensive side of the ball, too. Um, you know, sometimes you can take for granted when you have uh, when, when you have a veteran group that is returning, you kind of take for granted the, the basic fundamentals that every year you kind of have to reset that mind. Because what happens is over the course of a year, as the body fatigues and it wears down, you develop lazy or uh, bad technique and habits. And those habits carry over. And oftentimes 
it becomes the difference between the margin of error becomes greatly reduced when you're not technically sound. If you find yourself uh, playing against a faster opponent, but you're technically sound, you can overcome some of those objectives. When you line up and you show um, gap integrity and discipline, by being where you're supposed to be and having your hat on the right side, meaning your helmet on, on the appropriate side of the offensive, or um, I'm sorry, of the gap, that is significant because it not only impacts what you're doing, but it also impacts how the linebacker scrape downhill. It's the difference between, again, a free tackle or finding two guys filling the same hole. There's nothing more frustrating to a coach than to dial up the right defense, but because your technique falls apart, you give up a 15-yarder or a 20-yarder, or in the case of a game like UCLA, just everything falls apart. And, you, and you're scratching your head trying to figure out what can I call that's going to change the outcome. Oftentimes, everything goes back to technique. Because when all else fails, you should always be able to rely on your technique. But the only way that you're going to get to that point, Eric, is if you hone in and you go back to the basics. That is the beauty of spring ball. You're not preparing for a game. So now it's the inner challenge. Can I be as good as I can be by maximizing um, my abilities? But I also want to be coached up hard and critical, but loved at the same time. Not to the point where you're being demoralized, but to the point where, hey, call me out for my BS, hold me accountable so that I can be the best teammate that I can be. And what I really like about Coach K, he said, that's fine, we can call him Coach K. Uh, he's coached at Wisconsin, Utah, Boise State. And these are places where defensive line play was important. It was something that got focused on, and it just seemed like everyone who went to those schools to play defensive line, you knew they were going to be better down the road when they went there. And again, it wasn't that he specifically did it, but he's been places where there's been that emphasis on the defensive line. And the fact that they wanted him obviously means that there's something there to him. And again, I think what he's talked about, and especially he specifically mentioned, we need to get across the line of scrimmage. And he, they've gone a ton mm. of footwork, keeping your feet moving, uh, you know, playing across the numbers, he called it, uh, and, and really sort of getting active as a defensive line. And again, hey, we're two days in. We, we haven't seen anything in pads yet. Um, but it does seem like these are positive things. He, he also raved about Drake Jackson. There, there are a few, oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, early enrollees. Um, Drake Jackson is one of them probably, you know, there's a few true freshmen coming in this year that you really want to see and really think can make an early impact. Drake Jackson is one of them. Uh, he raved about it specifically. He said the thing he loves is that when most true freshmen come in, they're really quiet. They want to just mm -hmm. listen. And he said, Drake is not afraid to ask questions all the time. He wants to know, he wants to get better. And that's something that has really stood out again in just sort of the limited time that they've right. had together. Uh, but then overall defense, uh, again, we got to hear from Clancy Pendergast. And when Clay Helton on after Tuesday's practice mentioned, we asked Clancy to simplify the defense. Again, that buzzword simplify, the thought was, okay, what does that mean? And he really said every, every year, Clancy Pendergast said, every year you get a chance to look back. And he said, looking at the personnel coming into this spring, we wanted to figure out, you know, how we could get them lined up right, how we could get them playing faster. 
and, and so that's what they hey, hate. Eric, let me, let me touch on that very briefly, okay? Yes, because yes, when, 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 Clay, when Clay Helton is asking Clancy to simplify the defense, he was asking too much of guys to do too much, to be in two places at one time, to overthink, overanalyze. And, and that's, you're going to constantly hear me say that because that's the difference between a five-star talent meeting, uh, maximizing his potential or disappointing. And the guy who, who I think was impacted the most from being asked to do too much last year was Christian Rector. Christian Rector um, went from a predator position, kind of backing up Porter Gustin and coming in and, and making a significant impact to being asked to be in the interior part of the defensive line. With the frame of 6'4", 275 pounds, you would think that he could handle that, but that's not in his DNA. He's an edge rusher, and that's where he wanted to be. So why not put guys in positions to be successful by simplifying what it is you're asking of them and, uh, and making sure that they understand that when they go out on the field and a certain defense is called against a certain coverage or the down and distance, that you're focusing more about beating your opponent and what technique you're going to use versus what am I being asked to do, you know, and, and, um, and overthinking about the little things. All right. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about simplifying, uh, getting guys to play faster. And one of the things that I think stood out about Tuesday was seeing uh, John Houston and, and EA flip spots. And, and it was something that, was nice. that Clancy mentioned, but it was also kind of a look, if you, if you play middle linebacker here, whether, you know, Mike or Will, they're both sort of in the, in the middle uh, you got to learn both spots. And so they're taking a look at this. Spots. And he specifically said, look, if you look at football right now, there aren't the, the, the downhill thumper Mike linebacker. It just doesn't really exist anymore. Everything's played out on the hash marks outside of them. And you've got to be able to run. And I think, you know, what, what I can read into it is they like the idea of John Houston being able to line guys up, make the calls and, and you know, the fact and that make no, yeah, make no mistake about it. John Houston, uh, if, as from a cerebral standpoint, he comes from a, a long football pedigree, and he should be someone who should embrace the, that challenge of getting guys lined up, understanding fits. But, but I, I'll also say this. Um, my senior year in 2002, going into that season, I had predominantly played only the right side in football games. And when you play on the right side of the field as a cornerback, the type of balls that you see is different than when you're in the action. Because when you're on the right side of, of a defense, you're on the left side of a quarterback's hand. And most quarterbacks, at least in the Pac-12 at the time I played, were right-handed. So a lot of the balls you saw were um, opposite of me were tight end and Z receiver or um, um, <clears throat> receivers off the ball combination routes. So what did Pete Carroll and Greg Burns do for me? They flipped me uh, in spring ball that's the time to experiment they put me on the left side where I got to see a lot more balls in action and what that did for me was it calmed my feet down it calmed my brain down because I saw more action and I had to teach my body not to be um, one-sided to see the field for what it's worth and believe it or not Eric when you flip inside from if you're the Mike linebacker or the interior um, linebacker and you're used to being on the right side you develop a dominant foot plant and a dominant eye. And when you flip over, your body always doesn't react the same way because now you perhaps um, 
planning on a foot that you're not accustomed to planning on and seeing the light from the, um, the field come through, transfer across your eyes differently. As subtle as that may be, both EA and John Houston will benefit tremendously um, within, uh, within the growth of their career because they're now challenging their bodies and challenging their minds to see the field from different vantage points. I, I, like, I love what I see. Those are the little details that makes the difference between you having a five and seven season or you're contending for a Pac-12 South Rose Bowl berth. All right, Daryl. You know, one thing that we are not going to do is try to simplify these podcasts. We're, we're going to see. We're going to see if we can break down this as much as possible. So I, I know while the team is doing that, I, I love what we're bringing to uh, to breaking some of this stuff down. So uh, again, thank you for listening to the We Are SC podcast for Daryl Rodeau. This is Eric McKinney.